Tony Parks, my good friend, joining us here on the Full Court Press. Tony, thanks for joining us, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, Ajay. I'm excited to be a part of this. Man. Oh, oh, wait, no, we are excited to have you. This is this is awesome. Uh, Tony, by the way, first of all, congratulations on your podcast that's opened up, uh, the Tony Parks Podcast. Tell us about how the podcast and how people can find it. Yeah, yeah you can find it on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, part of the YouTube. And that's how our show is going today. Uh, we have just lost Tony Parks. Uh, we'll have him call back here in just a moment, and uh, uh, and we'll uh, we'll get him back on the air. Tony's going to chat with us about the Utah Jazz uh, and and what he's learned uh, and what he's learned in that experience of uh, of of covering the Jazz. And so we are going to uh, ask him some questions about that. Tony, we lost you. You got we got you again. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. I apologize. I don't know what happened. Ah, uh, you know, I'm solo, so of course stuff's going to happen on when I'm solo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about a number of different things in sports. Uh, I'm actually, uh, I'm glad you asked about that too, because, you know, we'll talk jazz, we'll talk national sports, we'll talk a lot of different stuff, but I'm going to have uh, a special segment and section kind of set for, you know, different fan bases that are in this state that just happen to be behind and outnumbered by a few other uh, uh, fan bases, and so they don't get as much coverage. And so Utah State's one of those that, man, they have a great following. They have a passionate fan base. They love their teams. Um, but when I was hosting a show regularly, it was hard because there's, you know, uh, you have a major pro sports team and you have two uh, fan bases that outnumber them by the total number of people. And so, therefore, uh, you weren't always able to get to some of the things I wanted to. So I'll have the chance to do that when it comes to the Aggies. The Tony Parks podcast again is on Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. Uh, and Tony was the locker room reporter for Utah Jazz Radio Network. And so here on 106 on the Fan, you might have been hearing Tony Parks doing locker room interviews. Did a great job. His first and opening podcast is on Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's relationship. Can you give us a teaser to those who are about to find the podcast of what episode number one is about? Yeah, you'll want to go and you'll want to tune in and you'll want to listen to that because. There's, uh, like, we all know that, okay, there was some sort of issue, but there's some some questions specifically that need to be asked, and questions that I think, uh, not that all of us as fans will get answers to, but I think that there are questions that have to be asked when a conflict arises that may not be the only conflict, right? Like, like how in the world do you have a guy that is, uh, you know, as good as he is in terms of like two guys that are incredibly good, I think with hall of fame capability, and then two guys that are pretty mature, pretty reasonable, you know, good heads on their shoulders, well-educated, all of that. And then there's a conflict such as something like COVID-19, which trust me, it, it certainly can, can strike an emotional chord for a number of people, including me, obviously I've had a number of things altered in my life because of COVID-19, but what happens there, Ajay is okay. So maybe there's an initial reaction, but for multiple months, there was a problem. And then also it never really has been like completely embraced and, and um, I think completely squashed. It's just all, oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Well, fine. Wasn't the bar for the Utah jazz this year. That wasn't, that wasn't the bar. And also the jazz had very bizarre performances before this uh, uh, COVID-19 situation came up. And they had what the they're the only team with alternating what five consecutive alternating four or five plus game wins uh, winning streaks something really really bizarre like that. So then the question has to be asked: 
was that connected to any of that? You know, whatever this is actually about. So if it's only about COVID-19, then that's fine. I think that they can easily move on from this. If there's something else involved, then you want to make sure that that's addressed, not publicly. I'm not asking them to come out with some press release on it, but that you hope that that's addressed and put to bed. Because a lot of the narrative has been, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. It's Donovan, it's Rudy, everything's going to be all right. And, you know, how much does chemistry matter anyway? And I, I don't know. It's like, well, we don't, we don't know the answers to this. But I'm here to tell you that if you have two really well-educated, reasonable people and you have a feud like this, it's probably not over something that was completely out of every one of our uh, control, which is a pandemic, which we were really unaware about. So there's something there. And, and so, yeah, you'll want to tune into the podcast, hear what I have to say about that. I break down chemistry and synergy. Uh, I give some examples of teams in the past, not just jazz teams, uh, but visiting teams that I covered uh, where I thought uh, chemistry and synergy was very unique in the dynamic of that. Some teams fell short of what I thought they were capable of. Some teams exceeded uh, what we thought that they were capable of based on that unique dynamic. At the end of the day, it's this, Ajay. You have two great players. You have a great coach. You have a great front office. And you have this team built to at least be a light contender. And I, and I don't think I'm saying that out of any sort of uh, uh, being biased because of proximity. I, I think they have a roster that's built to at least be a light contender. And if they didn't reach that, which at times this year they have fallen short of it, and then at times they, they haven't, like the 19 out of 21 that they won. But if they were to fall short of that, uh, I would hate to see that happen. And something like chemistry or synergy can be a reason why. So you'll want to check that out. Tony Parks podcast, uh, check it out uh, right there. Uh, Utah Podcast Network, uh, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and more. Uh, so thanks so much for everyone uh, for listening and their support. I, and, and let me be the first to say, well, not the first day, but one of uh, those many to say, it's a great listen to. I, I took a drive to Bear Lake. I put on the podcast and listened to it. And then I actually drove back and listened to it again because I was like, wait, I might have missed certain things. And that's the things that you give so much detail that you want to listen to the, I mean, the same episode twice just to make sure you caught every little thing. And it's, it's just great stuff. Hey, Tony, uh, we're, we're going to get to the 1998 Jazz team in, in a little bit just in honor of The Last Dance and the documentary that's been out. I want to ask you really quickly, in in this current COVID-19 versus NBA season, I want you to jump into Adam Silver's shoes. How do you handle this basketball season? Do you finish it? Do you say just playoffs only? Do you do the regular season and playoffs? Or do you say, no, no way, we're going to move on and get ready for October in the 2020-21 season? Well, yeah, no, <clears throat> very few people. It's It's been kind of a tough thing in media because it's like, you know, it, it, every everybody's trying to be so careful on how they phrase it all. Like, here's how I would like it to go. And here's how, oh, yeah, as long as it's safe, of course. As long as it's like, yes, nobody out there is going, hey, let's risk human safety right now. Everybody, <laughs> get in. I don't care about any of it. Okay, so we're, we're all good there. And then the other extreme is nobody's like, I think no season is a good thing. So, okay, so let's get rid of the two extremes, right? The, the big thing is, yeah, can you put together something to finish the season? And here's what's really tough for a guy like Adam Silver. He has to put something to put uh, uh, something together to finish the season that pisses off the fewest amount of people. And at the end of the day, my second podcast episode, which you could feel free to listen to as well, it talks about how there is no good choice. All choices, and Adam Silver even said it, they're going to choose between bad and bad. Somebody's going to be upset. Somebody's going to be 
mad about the way it's going down. Maybe a player, a team has a couple of players that don't want to come back and play for the rest of the season for whatever reason. And so now they're dealing without two key players. Uh, maybe they end up only doing playoffs. And so teams who were one game out with, you know, what, 12 games to go or whatever it was, now they're frustrated because, hey, you know what? We had a chance. You know I mean? There's, there's going to be something. I feel for Adam, and here's what I'll say about Adam. I think Adam will do the absolute best that he can when there's no perfect. There's no perfect answer to this. So I think he's going to do best, salvage as many games, salvage the postseason as best as he can. And when you're in this situation, anytime you're in a position of leadership, you're there for a couple of reasons. Obviously, to manage everything, to run everything, to make sure it goes well. But you're also there in case there's a crisis that when damage is going to be done, you can minimize it as much as possible. And the reason why you're in that position, Ajay, is you don't mind having to take the heat. You don't mind having to take the backlash, the punches, everything that it's going to come with. The only th- So anything that these uh, professional sports commissioners decide or conference commissioners, unless it is just insanely egregious and, and neglecting human safety, I'm not going to badger them. They're trying. I mean, they're trying. If, if the Pac-12 has to shift the schedule and fly the schedule, you know, and only play conference opponents, and that's going to suck for some FCS teams, for some G5 teams, then you've got to do it. You've got to if the if the Mountain West has to start doing home and homes, and other schools are going to face a real difficult thing because they're not allowed to play. I I don't I feel for every person even in a position such as a commissioner because they're not trying to short end other people, but they're also trying to minimize the damage, and it's it's really a no win situation. But, but for the NBA, yeah, fin- I think that they can get it to a neutral site, hopefully, finish out the re- uh, as many regular season games as they can, do the postseason, and try to minimize that damage as much as you can. Tony Parks joins us here on the Full Court Press. Tony, do you think there will be a college football season? I guess, I let me rephrase that. Do you think there will be a full college football season? I think there will be a full 12 weeks. I don't know if we'll have a full number of teams. I don't know if all the teams will play at the same time, but I do think we'll end up with a college football season that is fulfilling. I'll say that, but it's too tough with way too many different States having different teams and different situations with different regulations. I I don't know, like the Cal state uh, scenario, you know, with what they're doing at this point, I don't really know what and how that's going to impact uh, some of what happens. So will there be a full season? I'll say yes. But will it be a fulfilling season? I'll say yes, but it won't be a season that's full for everybody. I'll put it that way. Yeah. The nineteen ninety eight Jazz team, uh, of course, is going to be featured in parts nine and ten coming up on Sunday night of the Last Dance. Uh, I'll start with this question: As you've watched these episodes, being the diehard Chicago guy you are, loyal Chicago guy you are. What have you learned most and something different about this Bulls team or Michael Jordan than that you didn't know before? I think I've always appreciated Phil Jackson to such a big level. And it was funny, too, because so many people would be like, oh, he's not that great a coach. I mean, my goodness, you had Michael Jordan. This and that. Oh, man, to manage that whole thing is a lot tougher than people realize. You know, there's a lot of good coaches who had great teams and didn't win titles. And Phil, one thing that made him great is he could take great of everybody and make it even better. I think I've been as impressed with just how he was able to, even more than I already was, 
more impressed at how he was able to manage everything from Dennis Rodman to the Scotty Pippen thing in 94 to the Kerr and Jordan altercation. Uh, I mean, just all across the board. I, I like the way that Phil understood uh, how to make Michael and his system all together really, really good. And I like that uh, they broke down the situation with Doug Collins where he sat Tex Winter in totally different spots in the in the uh, arena rather than on the bench, if, if you will, if I remember right, because he didn't like the, the differences in philosophy and that Tex was able to have the courage to confront him about some things that they should consider doing differently. What I thought was mesmerizing was Phil Jackson takes over and adopts everything Tex Winter wanted to do. What I think makes Phil incredible is that it didn't have to be his idea to be the best idea. Phil Jackson is not liked by as many people out there as he probably should. If you get down to the things that people should really like about leaders, winners, and those who know how to manage a bunch of different egos all in the same room. The other thing I learned was, you know, Scotty Pippen, okay, you regret that decision. You know, it's one of those moments that you wish you could have back. Well, no, here he is 22, 23 years later saying he does, or uh, almost 30 years later saying yeah. he doesn't regret it. Ooh, and then he yeah. would do it again. Ooh, yeah. That was your chance for me to be like, you know what? We all have that one moment. I get it. I respect that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was bad. That was bad. Uh, the seven-game series with the Pacers and Bulls or the NBA Finals with the Utah Jazz, which series was tougher for the Bulls in your opinion? Um, the Jazz or the uh, Bulls Pacers East Finals really was the tougher. So yeah, it was. It definitely was. Now the '97 Finals was tougher than the other two. Um, that I'll say. But people are really forgetting something with this Utah Jazz team in '98. It's so tough because when people talk about the '98 Finals or remember it, Ajay, they only remember Game Six. They talk about Game Six. Mm. Game six was the exception to what the other five games really were. Game six was both teams playing really well. The first five games was a mixture of both teams playing poorly, one team playing poorly, and then one one situation where the Jazz played the worst game ever. Um, That 98 finals gets remembered because of what happened at the end. It really wasn't a great series based on quality of play. It wasn't a great series based on Utah playing far below that what they were capable of. And I thought that that was a disappointing thing. When, when the Jazz lost the 97 finals, I thought, wow, they really pushed that team. Oh, boy, Michael and, and, and the Bulls got, ooh, that was scary for them. And then when the 98 series happened, I remember thinking, wow, I thought the Jazz would play a lot better than this. I just thought they would throughout most of the series. Now, game six was, was different. But if you go back and look, it just the Jazz were far from who they had been most of the season. When you do a deeper dive into the analytics um, and just their quality of play, it just it wasn't on par with who they had usually been. Uh, whereas Indiana completely disrupted what Chicago usually likes to do. Um, defensively, Chicago was uh, – they were a top three defense. I know that off the top of my head. They were a top three defense, and Indiana – started putting points up on them and and disrupting what Chicago did to a much bigger level. And so my podcast coming up on uh, tomorrow, we'll talk about what the last dance will not mention or talk about or show. (laughs) And I'll show you a lot of things that they're going to, they're going to show all the Jordan plays. They're going to show Scotty 
carrying Michael during the flu game in 97. They're going to show, but I'm going to go over some stuff that'll really remind people that while they remember Jordan won, I'll show you all the ways the jazz lost. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I have tomorrow's work day off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I feast on nostalgia basketball and I think nobody does it better than Tony Parks. And you, you really do. You, you, in, you inherit every detail and make sure that people see what many of us don't remember uh, and so this, that brings me to my next question. This 1998 finals, and you compared the two finals of 97 and 98. Uh, 1997, they're tied at two. This one, they're down 3-1. Do you remember at any point when they're down 3-1 telling yourself, hey, there's a chance that we can see a game seven? Or did you think, nope, game over, we're done in six? Uh, what do you mean when it, when it was 3-1 in 98? Yeah. When it was 3-1 and 98, the score was 36-30 to at halftime of Game 5. 36-30, to the Bulls were, late, were winning. And I remember, I, I turned to my mom, I was watching the game with my mom, and I said, unless the Jazz wake up offensively and get back to who they are, they're done. Like, this thing is going to be done. Like, the Bulls might just, like, like uh, grind them out by, you know, 12, if you will, or 9, which... It, with those low-scoring games, I mean, gosh, if you were down eight or nine, it just felt big, man. It just I remember just how intense those series were. Well, the second half, Carl Malone blows up. The whole Jazz offense explodes. They have one of their better halves that they had in either postseason series. Carl had 39. And it wasn't just, Ajay, it wasn't just that they won the game. They had found something. They put Antoine Carr in more often. It's Carl Malone. And Antoine's ability to uh, stretch the floor was opening up opportunities for the offense altogether. And Jerry made a great adjustment. And Utah's best offensive game in that series was game six. It was by far, like by far their best offensive game, if you go into the quality play and things like that. The other thing that started happening is there was another thing that was costing the Jazz dearly, and I'll talk about this tomorrow on the podcast. It was costing the Jazz dearly. And they fixed it. They actually got it fixed to a great level. So Jerry was actually starting to win the coaching game. He was starting to trend the series his way. And so if that had gone to a seven, you start to feel like, man, obviously with the momentum and the quality of play that the Jazz could pull it out. But it wasn't just that the Jazz were starting to win. Their level of play and the dynamic of the way they played was changing. So that second half was I thought the Jazz were about to lose that three and five. I was like, yep, that's they're down six and a half, but if they don't wake up on offense fast and get back to anything they could possibly be, they're done. Because that Jazz team up to that point, Ajay, averaged fewer points per game than finals team in the shot clock era ever. <laughs> they weren't good in the series. They weren't. Um, the next year, the uh, Knicks. And, and we're, hey Tony, we're losing you just a little bit. Oh, sorry, sorry, buddy. sorry. You got me now. Yeah, we got you now. Okay, sorry. I was saying the Jazz averaged fewer points per game in that NBA Finals series mm-hmm. than any NBA yep. Finals team in yep. the clock era. Um, the the Knicks were the only team that had lower the next year, and then that has stood since. The Knicks with the lowest amount of So. The Jazz weren't themselves, and then they were starting to get there. Is there any? Tell me one Bulls player besides Pippen, Rodman, and Scotty 
that had an effect in the 98 finals, 98 finals that people don't remember killing the Jazz? Oh, Tony Kukoc. Really? Tony Kukoc. Bro, Tony Kukoc made a few plays no one will ever remember, ever, ever remember. Um, and I'm going to talk about him, by the way, on my uh, podcast with the episode tomorrow. Okay. I'm going to hear it. I'm telling you, Tony Kukoc. That's a great question, Ajay, because it was Tony Kukoc who hit some real timely threes and then got to some loose balls and made some defensive plays, just the timely plays. The guy didn't dominate. Made some timely plays, Ajay, that really had an impact on the series, including, uh, I'm going to talk about this tomorrow, the biggest play of that series no one ever talks about, ever. And I guarantee they're not going to show it on the last dance. And Tony Kukoc was the start of that play. He made a play. He made a mental decision that was incredible with instinct, and and it made a big difference on the play. And a Utah Jazz player made an egregious mistake, that, like an, a very uncharacteristic and egregious mistake. And that play impacted that series as much as any other. And I'm going to talk about it tomorrow. It's Tony Parks. Remember, it's the Tony Parks Podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Find it and listen to it, and especially tomorrow's episode, you will not, you will not want to miss it uh, if you have a chance to, to spend some time and stay on the couch and grab a ball, uh, think of popcorn and just enjoy. I can't wait. <laughs> Tony, uh, I know you got other things to do. Thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Great stuff from you. Uh, let's get together soon and catch up. Uh, I can't wait. Ajay, this was great. Thanks for having me on, bro. Hey, my pleasure, my man. Thank you.